When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So we're going to try something new here on the call up. I've done it a little bit in the past, but I'm really excited to do it with you, Jack. We've got a 2019 MLB draft. We'll call it a redraft here as you and I are going to interchange picks going through all of the players that were selected in the 2019 MLB draft and pretty much do it all over again as if all of these players are available on the draft board and It's a really fun thought exercise. It's going to give me a headache. It's going to stress me out. We've got the big board together. It's a great way to look back at the draft, and it's a great way to show some of the best selections and worst selections from just a few years ago. Jack, I know you were up all night prepping for this thing. Um, it's, It's draft day. Well, it's it's nice to let my competitive fire out a little bit. I think this totally fuels that competitive fire. It's also, you know, kind of fun because I think everybody is familiar with the redraft concept. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is a lot more common in the NBA and the NFL circles because you get um, to immediately see these guys post draft. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Malcolm Brogdon won Rookie of the Year the year after he was picked in the second round. So it's like obviously Malcolm Brogdon is a first round pick, but. I think the MLB is interesting because you spend at least a couple of years in minor league, you know, like ascending to the major league level. I also think 2019 was a fun year to pick because we've got this blend of some of the top prospects in baseball and some guys that have already been in major league baseball for multiple years. That's the big thing, right? Because you have different timelines because in baseball, you got the high school guys, you get the college guys. So you've got the Andrew Vons of the world who, Really valuable chips, right? He hasn't totally proven it at the big league level, but he's also proven that he's an above average big league hitter already. So how do you compare a guy like that to a dude that is very much still a prospect like Corbin Carroll, who got a cameo at the big league level, but, you know, is still barely played up there or a Riley Green or a Brett Beatty. So that's the fun part of comparing, you know, some of these guys that have already seen big league time, but maybe some prospects that have more upside. Who are you going to pick and why it's going to be really fun. And by the way, just so the listeners know, you and I have not, you know, 
shared each other's big boards. We put together yeah. names. You took the time yesterday to make sure we didn't forget any like late round guys like a Vinny Pascantino in the 11th round, which is what makes this so freaking awesome too. Uh, yeah. But dude, like it's, it's going to be interesting to see how each of us kind of values some of these guys because it's a, it's the old floor versus ceiling, you know, juggle as well. And I think we're treating it like we're, we're building a franchise, like it's an expansion draft. And in this expansion draft, we're allowed to take anybody from the 2019 MLB draft, I think is the best way to kind of, you know, I guess get it in your head and, and theorize it. A hundred percent. And I want to add one more group of guys that we haven't necessarily talked about because you mentioned established big leaguers like Andrew Vaughn went third. Alec Manoa went 11th in the 2019 draft. Manoa already a guy that, you know, has established himself as somebody that should be a perennial all-star. Andrew Vaughn feels like he's been in Major League Baseball for five years already. Um, you've got, you know, Corbin Carroll, Brett Beatty, who just got a, a brief cameo. But then how about Anthony Volpe was taken in this draft, right? Edouard Julien was taken in this draft. Brandon Williams said Levi Stout. These are guys that are still very much so prospects that have yet to break through or even come close to debuting in Major League Baseball. So I, I think that it's going to be a really interesting conversation trying to strike the perfect blend of what could this guy turn into? What have we already seen from them? And again, it's like the, the the thing that stresses me the most in the prospect world is the is the floor versus ceiling, what we've seen versus what we hope to see, and you know how much you're willing to roll roll the dice in these types of instances. So let's get into it. Do you want to pick one or do you want to pick two? Um, one I feel like is a shoe in. I'll pick one. Why not? Yeah, I'll let you pick one. Okay. Right um, oh, and what we're also going to do is you know we we also want to recap kind of what the draft was. So. You know, I know that's something that I've loved to do since I was in high school, looking at all old or like middle school when I was in class trying to kill time and not listen to the teacher was looking at old MLB, NBA, NFL drafts and seeing where teams went wrong or who the biggest yeah. deals were. So we're going to recap what the previous selection was and then tell you what our selection is going to be. Can we also give out a Darko Milicic award for the worst pick of the first round originally? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. We need a Darko award because you always look for the Darkos, right? Or you look at, you look for the Hashim Tabits. Which 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 sucks because you know you feel for those guys, but then it's also like, ooh, how did they do that? How did they make that mistake? Yeah, exactly. Um, so one one was Baltimore and it was Adley Rutschman. And I, I do think that Adley Rutschman sticks at one one. He's my first overall pick in this redraft. You know, there are guys that are a bit more established, like a Manoa or an Andrew Vaughn that have already had big league success. Adley Rutschman had 100 games of major league success in 2022. And I firmly believe that by the end of the 23 season, we're talking about him as the best catcher in baseball, not yeah. Will Smith with the Dodgers, because I think what Rutschman does defensively complementing his offensive game is the recipe for immediately becoming the best catcher in baseball. If the best catcher in baseball, a premium position is on the board and he already went one, one Adley Rutschman's the number one overall pick in this redraft. Well, how about he's a switch hitter who uh, plays elite defense behind the dish and has all the intangibles. And we got a pretty good sample size of big league ball from him last year where he was spectacular, right? And just got better and better and better and better. And honestly, if JT Real Muto wasn't so spectacular last season, I think you could have a you could have a legitimate argument that Adley going into next year could be the best catcher in baseball by the end of the season. But, you know, I think JT has made it clear that he's not slowing down yet and that he is the best catcher in baseball. But hell, if if, if Adley goes nuclear next year, 
I wouldn't be surprised. And I think that it's a no brainer to get a switch hitter, power hitting catcher who can defend, even if he's a little bit older, quote unquote, than some of the other guys in this group. Well, and what Adley Rutschman has a hundred major league games under his belt. And we are talking about him in the same breath as JT Realmuto and Will Smith. I already think Adley is better and more valuable than Alejandro Kirk is for Toronto. So, you know, this is the conversation that we're having here. And if he's a top three catcher in baseball, uh, I'm taking a top three catcher in baseball. Totally. Um, And and so this is where it gets tough, man, because, you know, I think you had the, the, the no brainer at number one, even though I think you could make that legitimate argument for, you know, uh, an Alec Manoa, you know, a proven you know, frontline starter already uh, to a degree, which is which is pretty remarkable. Uh, but at number two, of course, it was Bobby Witt Jr. And that's a pick that looks still really good. Right. I mean, Bobby Witt's going to be a really, really, really good player. Uh, he had a pretty solid year last year. But I mean, you look at some of the guys that have emerged around the game from this draft class and. I think that you got to go a different direction than Bobby Witt. And for me, it, it's a juggle between the pitcher and maybe a, a proven quote unquote, this, it's all relative when we talk about proven, right? Whoever from this group has shown us enough at the big league level. I'm going to go Michael Harris, man, at number two, I'm going to go with Michael Harris. And I know I just, I just saw your reaction, but I, I, I am such a big fan of what this guy is doing. I believe in the bat. I know people look at the advanced stats and are like, oh, he's going to regress because of this, this, and this, because he hit the ball on the ground a lot. Not worried about that. His exit velos are elite. He's still a kid. He's 21 years old. He's going to be one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball. We just talked about him uh, on the Just Baseball show as we're talking about all of the pre-arb deals that we're seeing across the game and especially with the Braves. And we're saying even on the worst end, if Michael Harris forgets how to hit, He's still one of the best defensive center fielders in the game and going to be a really, really valuable piece there. But I think the bat's going to keep getting better. And the reason why I put Michael Harris at number two pick here is somebody asked me a question. I forget who it was recently. And they said, if Michael Harris was still a prospect, where would he rank? And I said, number one. And I, yeah. I stand by that. He'd be number one. If you look at the exit velos, if you look at you know, what he continued to do as the year went on, if you look at all of the intangibles, he is quickly becoming one of my favorite players in baseball. And and I think we haven't even seen the best of Michael Harris a second. So what do you think of that pick? Uh, I like it a lot. And, and I actually had Harris at five on my quote unquote big board. Um, Harris originally the 98th overall pick. It was a third round pick. And he was what the second high school guy to make it up after CJ Abrams, who went fifth overall, sixth overall. So I, I love that pick. And we talked about it a little bit on yesterday's just baseball show. Um, you know, this guy, like his floor is Cody Bellinger, who just got $16 million. His floor is at least a top three center fielder in baseball defensively. I think Michael Harris's floor is borderline best center fielder in baseball in a guy that is going to hit in the low 200s. I don't think he ever dips to the 160 no. that we saw Cody Bellinger hit. So Harris is a guy that is as dynamic as they come, and he's already proved it at such a young age at the highest level that this sport has to offer. So I'm all the way about it too on a big stage stage. too. And here's the last thing I want to reference just to, cause I know I'm, I'm sure some people will be like, Whoa, about that pick. I want to just put, and I I've mentioned this a few times, but some, you know, may not have heard this before Julio Rodriguez and Michael Harris, a second. So Julio Rodriguez played 132 games last year. Michael Harris played 114 games last year. Julio slashed 284, 345, 509, with a 146 WRC plus and a 5.3 F4. Michael Harris slashed 297, 
339, 514 with a 136 WRC plus and a 4.8 F4. Both swiped over 20 bags. Julio hit 28 home runs. Harris hit 19 home runs. Defensively, both were pretty comparable. Actually, Harris a little bit better. If Harris played those extra 18 games, there's a legitimate chance that he surpasses J-Rod in F4 or at least just about matches him there. I'm not saying he's better than J-Rod, but what he did last year was right on par with him, and that kind of puts it in perspective there. He just doesn't have the prospect uh, track record that J-Rod had, and it's just because Harris got a chance to come up so quickly. They're almost the same age. I think Harris is actually younger, right? So, I mean, this is this is (laughs) – that kind of puts it in perspective there, but I just wanted to make that that final part to my case. So in case anybody was was shocked by that one, that is why I went with Harris at number two. But also really like that you referenced where they were previously picked. Shows you how big of a steal he was. Some teams liked Harris better as a pitching prospect at the time, which just shows you how little we know about these high school guys sometimes. But let's go to number three, which would have been your White Sox, and it would have been Andrew Vaughn. Yeah. Not a bad pick whatsoever, but I know you're going to make a different pick here. Yeah, I'm making a different pick, and I'm actually going with the guy that went second overall, and that's Bobby Witt Jr. And the reason I go with Bobby Witt and not the best pitcher available in Manoa, and I bet you take Manoa four. Um, if you don't, I'm going to be stunned, and we're going to have a slider, and I might have to take him at five. But um, the reason I go with Bobby Witt at three is because this guy had what many around the league saw as an underwhelming rookie season. You know what Bobby Witt's underwhelming rookie season looked like? It's it's so messed up, dude. Like, yeah, so like, messed up. Go ahead. I mean, fifty-seven extra base hits, twenty homers, thirty-one doubles, thirty for thirty-seven in the stolen base department. He had an OPS over seven hundred. I mean, he is. I I think the floor is a lot higher than a lot of people give him credit for, because if this is considered a so-so year and an underwhelming year, and him still being a couple years away. You can only dream on the ceiling. And I I think the ceiling is equivalent to that of Michael Harris or Julio Rodriguez, right? It's yeah. Can can I tell you the one thing I was, you know, kind of shocked and disappointed by last year? And I'm not worried about it. Um, if it if it carries into this year, I'll be worried about it. Was the defense metrically speaking, wasn't great. He showed flashes of what is phenomenal ability. I I went down this rabbit hole and I want to kind of Go, go deeper into it when I have some extra time to just kind of break down the film on, on what went wrong with him defensively. I think it was a little bit of him having to slide back and forth from third and short. He played 55 yeah. games at third, 98 games at short. Um, so a little bit of moving back and forth, but negative 18 defensive run saved at shortstop. Uh, I, I thought that was a little bit bizarre given how talented he is. He still projects as a plus defender. I think he will be a plus defender, but I thought that was pretty interesting. So even in this bad, quote unquote, underwhelming rookie year, like you mentioned, 2.3 F4 with defense that I think you can almost guarantee will improve, a bat that will almost guarantee improve, and, and I thought got better as the year went on. And I, I, don't, I don't hate the pick at all. I think it's a little riskier. I think you're rolling the dice because you could get a guaranteed – stud pitcher like Alec Manoa. Um, But at the end of the day, when you get a chance to get Bobby Witt at at three, um, it's it's almost a no brainer, really any other draft without an Adley Rutschman in it. Bobby Witt's the number Bobby Witt's the number one pick and probably eight other drafts. If, if, if we look at back at the last decade, right? So, you know, I, I think it's it's a no brainer there at three and he's done nothing but help his case. I think last year didn't hurt his case whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. Number four. It's kind of funny how this shook out because we didn't even predict this. But number four is uh, 
would have been the Marlins who took J.J. Bleday, and I'm going to take J.J. Bleday again here. Because No, I'm kidding. So what <laughs> I'm going to actually do here is take Alec Manoa. Um, okay, you know, it, it, it's one of those where almost he's too proven that we, we want to have a little bit more fun and, and like shake it up with some of these other picks. Like I, as much as I want to take Corbin Carroll, our number one prospect in baseball, I can't. I can't yeah. because Alec Manoa turns 25 in 10 days and already has two seasons of impressive big league starting pitching under his belt. And at this point, we know what Manoa is as a pitcher, and I think he can continue to get better. We know what he is as a competitor. And at 196 and two-thirds innings last year, we know what he is as a bulldog innings eater. And that team's only going to be better. I think he's only going to get better. But a 2-2-4 ERA last season is just really impressive in 160 or 196 and two-thirds innings. Um, this was a guy that I really liked out of the draft. If you go back to the old Locked On MLB Prospects episodes, I, I was pretty floored at, at how underrated he was in the top prospect rankings. Um, what, what was he, the number 19 overall selection, or 11th overall selection? Excuse 11. Me, in 2019. And, and I was just very surprised to see how uh, limited the the hype was around him and, and he really wasn't on any top 100 lists go look at his MILB stats look at how fast he shot through the minor leagues the Blue Jays knew what they had in Alec Manoa and they were really comfortable rushing him and he rose to the occasion this is a guy that's going to be a good big league starter for a very 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 long time with that fastball slider combination yeah man um all right five i i am going to take our top prospect in baseball i'm yeah. going to take Gordon carroll here i mean in a month of major league baseball with arizona he had an 830 ops and, and he was at a thousand ops guy when he was in the minor leagues granted we know you know the environment was crazy but i don't care if you're playing in zero gravity he played 93 games between you know a two-game stint in rookie ball rehabbing 58 and double, 33 and triple. This guy slashed 307, 425, 611, 22 doubles, 24 pumps, 31 stolen bases on 36 attempts. And he gets to the major league level in his first 115 plate appearances, 32 games. The guy slashed 260, 330, 500 with nine doubles, two triples, four bombs, 14 driven in, and two backs. I mean, he is. Like, I, I think the floor is just so much higher than we initially expected it to be. Um, I don't see a world where he is a sub 700 OPS guy because he can get on base. He can walk. And when he does get on base, he can make things happen. He's closer to an 80 grade runner than a 70 grade runner. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's he's kind of the, the perfect prospect. So it's funny. I think the floor and the ceiling, man, because if you look at the, the 2021 top 100 prospect list that we put together. I would say we were probably higher on Corbin Carroll than anybody. He, he was in our top 20, even coming off of the injury, not really playing much. And 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 it was a guy that really I saw as somebody that with his speed, with the intangibles, with his adjustments in every at bat, I'm like, okay, this guy's going to, going to be just a, a really solid outfielder. What I yeah. didn't see was the ceiling. He hits the, he hits the shit out of the ball. Uh, you look at his exit velos, you look at how, how, some of his furthest home runs, I know, hitter-friendly environment, but this guy was pushing 470, 450, 460-foot home runs. Um, he's pushing exit velos over 110 miles an hour. For his little frame, and then you talk about the speed and all the other things that he has going on, his ability to you know, adjust in at-bats, just manipulate the barrel, command you know, his, his body, and just even his B-swings, he scorches yeah. the baseball. Um, I love that pick. That's a guy that you know, I'm, I'm so excited to see 
blossom at the big league yeah. level. And and we got a little bit of a taste, like you mentioned, and it was enough for me to say, okay, this guy, this guy is it, man. This guy is it. hundred percent. And in real quick, who was the, the initial, player? yeah, the initial fifth overall pick was Riley green to Detroit. Riley green is still a good pick. I love what Riley green does. I like what Corbin Carroll does a little bit more. Carroll was 16th to Arizona in the first round. So he climbs 11 spots. So we go to pick number six now, which was previously CJ Abrams. And again, not a bad pick. I really like, I really like Abrams. You know, it wasn't the best big league debut ever, but I think if again, another guy that I, I highly encourage you to look at his MILB page, you'll be floored at how few of games that CJ Abrams has played. So you have to look at it like, okay, this guy is, you know, struggling a bit at the big league level. Okay, but if he was tearing up AAA, we'd be celebrating him as one of the top prospects in baseball, right? Yeah. I hate when we pin the uh, the aggressive push and a guy get being good enough to get to the big leagues. We pit that against him. I don't like that. So Abrams, not much has changed on my perspective on him. That said, a lot has changed on my perspective of other guys who have forced their way up into this conversation, which is the only reason why Abrams is not going to be my selection here. My selection is going to be Gunnar Henderson, who was the 42nd overall pick. And Gunnar Henderson, look, he's prospect number two for us. And I lost sleep trying to figure out who was the better prospect, Corbin Carroll or Gunnar Henderson. And at the end of the day, I was like, okay. But you and I had these conversations, right? Arm, at the end of the day, you were like, Arm, who cares? Like, it's one and two, right? Like, it's at the end of the day, these these are both of the top prospects in baseball, like, as long as you have them there, it's fine. Um, and and still, I could see either one being, you know, the better player. Gunner, a little bit more, you know, dependent on the bat playing because he doesn't have the elite, elite speed, but he's an above average runner. He's got plus, plus raw power. That's a guy that hit some home runs that, you know, encroached on 500 feet. And how about what he showed at the big league level last year? I mean, almost put up a, a full win. In 30 games, I think he almost put up a one F war. Uh, he absolutely raked. He showed good defense at third. He's able to play shortstop. I love his swing from the left side. He's continued to get better. His moves are so simple. This guy's a superstar in the making too. And this is why we did this draft. If it sounds like we're super bullish on all these guys, it's because this is, I think, going to be historically one of the best drafts we've ever seen. It could age poorly, though a lot of guys still have a lot to prove. But in terms of upside and what we've already seen, I think this has the draft, the potential to be one of the best drafts we've ever seen. Uh, what do you think of the gunner pick? I like the gunner pick. I think there are some established big leaguers that I would have taken over gunner. Uh, gunner was a little bit farther down on my big board. Um, and by big board, I mean, he was at eight and you took him at six. Uh, so unfortunately, the Andrew Vaughn slide continues and I'm not taking him at seven. Nick Lodolo was the original seventh overall pick at a TCU for the Reds. Lodolo is a really good pick and, and, and we saw what he did, but I'm actually taking another pitcher here. And I'm taking George Kirby, seventh overall. Ooh. And the reason I'm taking Kirby, Kirby was originally the 20th overall pick. I mean, this guy in 25 starts, his first 25 major league starts. Yeah, he had a 3-4 ERA in 130 innings. But I want to point to the 133 punch outs in 130 innings and the 22 walks. That's George Kirby's game. Yeah. And over nine Ks per nine and under two walks per nine, that's always going to play. And we know what Kirby can do. He was already part of the postseason staff and part of the postseason rotation. Somebody that Seattle was going to rely on if they didn't get swept in the ALDS by Houston. I mean, I, I just think George Kirby has 
this insanely high floor and we know how good the stuff is. He's mid nineties with a fastball. He's got sharp breaking balls. He's got excellent pitchability, and the stuff is good enough to survive in the strike zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think George Kirby can very quickly. I think quicker than Logan Gilbert, who has already become one of the better pitchers in baseball. I think Kirby, maybe by the end of twenty twenty three, we're talking about him being the second best pitcher on that staff behind Luis Castillo. You know, you know, it's funny. The only reason why I don't take Kirby there um, is. I like some of the other arms and I like the arms that I'm going to be able to add later. But man, I mean, I I could easily see if we looked back at this and there was like some fantasy implications on this, let's say I could see myself kicking myself for not taking Kirby because that's somebody that, you know, you and I, as long as we've been talking prospects, we've, we've always loved really, really, really high on him. I think even before you and I got together to talk prospects, like that was a guy that just on locked on MLB, like some of my first episodes, I'm like, why is a guy who throws a hundred and throws a lot of strikes and is already showing some secondary feel? Why is he not getting more love? And people really didn't have trust in his ability to develop the secondaries. You saw him up close and personal, how athletic he is. And I always think it's a little overdone. Like when a guy's the missing piece is a change up, I get it. But like when you're just like, Oh, this guy just needs to spin it a little better. I'm willing to bet in today's rap soto world that you can teach an athletic guy with ridiculous arm speed and command how to spin something. And that's exactly what has happened. He's continued to get better. And that could be the quote unquote steal uh, of this draft, because the other thing is knock on wood. He's shown great durability too. And when it comes to the pitchers here, that's going to be a factor, right? Like Daniel Espino, if we did this six, eight months ago or a year ago, he might have been one of the names that we're considering right about now, but Top 10, yeah. to see which one of us uh, ends up jumping and taking him because of how talented he is. But obviously a lot of injury concern there. Uh, we go to that would have been Lodolo, which again, also, by the way, if you took Lodolo again, I wouldn't have blamed you. Like, no, I, and I'm, I'm seriously considering Lodolo here as I'm about to make my like panic pick uh, because yeah. I am, I am a little bit stuck here on who I want to select. Are you just going to go with Vaughn? No, I might not. You like Vaughn more than I do. I like Vaughn, but I'm not taking a first baseman, dude. Like, I don't want one. I don't want one this early. I I really don't, unless they absolutely hit the crap out of the baseball. I don't know if I want a first baseman, you know? Like, is that fair? What's your draft strategy there? Like, at a certain point, it's the object of the game to hit the baseball and I don't care where you play, but if you have a shot here to take some guys that can really hit, and even if it's 80% of the offense of some of these other first basemen, like where do you stand on that? Right? No, I mean, I I'm with you. Like I think that having a frontline starting pitcher or having, you know, a, a game changer at a premium position is a lot more valuable than having a good first baseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's what Andrew Vaughn has proven to this point. Like, could he, Make the jump to be an 800, 850 OPS guy. Yeah, but he's shown he's a 730 OPS guy in his brief cameo. So it, it's tough. And I don't want this to be seen as an indictment on Andrew Vaughn. No, I want this to be seen as this draft, again, like you're saying, to echo your sentiment, is is one of the most loaded that we may ever see. And we're seeing that already three years removed from this. I could dig up a draft where we're taking Vaughn real early. I could take a couple draft years where we're taking on very, very, very early. Very, very early. I, so my next pick, man, I'm going to go with Anthony Volpe. You know, I, I, oh, wow. Look at this reaction. That's crazy. Why is that crazy? Let's hear that. I just think there are guys that have proven it already okay. that are, so that are still I'll, on the board. I'll make my Volpe case. 
Okay. So Volpe, we're looking at shortstops here. How many more shortstops are on the board? How many more shortstops are we looking at where we can feel really good about, about what they are capable of? I, I think Volpe's bat, it was it was a little bit of an up and down year for him. Still ends up finishing pretty strong. Handled aggressive assignments here, and and at the end of the day, like if, if I'm gonna, if I don't take Volpe, I feel like I'm somewhat of a hypocrite because this is a guy that's been a top fifteen prospect for us for a while now. He's number twelve on our top prospect list. Still, he's twenty one years old, and even and you know we're talking about down years, quote unquote, right? And like what it looks like for a guy. Anthony Volpe's down year between double A and triple A is a 117 WRC plus, an 802 OPS, a sub 20% K rate, an 11% walk rate, and great defense. You ask any of his teammates, they say he's one of the most uh, advanced between the ears teammates that they've ever played with. And also, by the way, he stole 50 bags, 50 bags on 57 tries. Um, This guy has superstar face of the franchise potential and Look, he's he's knocking on the door and he's shown us that he can swing it in the upper levels already as a 20 year old to start last year. To me, I, there's too much upside to pass on this late, quote unquote, in the draft. Yeah, no, I, I get it, man. I, I was just thinking, like, there are guys that have already logged, you know, close to 90 games at least of major league service. And, you know, like they've they've been good. Um, like who? Shit, man. I mean, Von Grissom is available right now. I just looking at shortstops. I like Von Grissom. Short. I, that that video. I'm writing a piece on that soon. I didn't love yeah. it. I, we need some Ron Washington magic for that guy to play some short. Yeah, um, um, but oh, no. Previous I mean, previous pick though. Previous pick, Josh Young. Young. Get good pick. I like it. But good pick. Fine. Rather have Volpe. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I'm picking again at nine here, and uh, the original pick at nine was Shea Langoliers by Atlanta. Langoliers is a fine pick. We have yet to see him really, you know, break into Major League Baseball. So I'm, I'm going elsewhere and I'm actually, you know, reaching a little bit if you consider it. I'm going with Hunter Brown right now. Ooh, uh, I like Hunter, it. I like it. I like it a lot. Honestly, I do. I don't think it's Hunter great. Brown. He was a fifth round pick, 166th overall. But I'm going with Hunter Brown because, listen, we're already calling a mini Verlander, right? We're, we're seeing the delivery and he looks like Verlander. We see a fastball that can flirt with a hundred miles an hour. We see a curveball that can buckle anybody in major league baseball. Um, I mean, this, this rotation, even without Verlander in Houston with Framber Valdez, with Javier, with Lance McCullers, uh, with Luis Garcia and with Hunter Brown. I mean, it can still be one of the best rotations in all of major league baseball. And, and I think that you should absolutely consider putting some money where your mouth is when it comes to Hunter Brown for AL rookie of the year. I think Hunter Brown has the chance to rack up strikeouts and he's going to be on the mound a lot. So you edited um, one of my favorite pieces. I think I wrote over this year, which was breaking down Hunter Brown's arsenal. And I got to use my favorite thing, Giphy cat, which is where I can, you know, turn all of the pitches into short videos that repeat like gifts, but the way that his arsenal works off of itself, right? Four pitches that you got the riding fastball, then the hammer curveball working off of it. The slider, the way he's able to locate to all four quadrants as well. And the changeup even also like this guy has really blossomed into a phenomenal pitcher. And it's a testament to the Astros. When you look at why he was drafted in the fifth round, what was it? Wayne state. Is that where he yeah. was drafted out of? I'm the trying to D2 remember. D2 in what Michigan, was, Wayne state university. That. Yeah. Wayne state. Um, with command major command questions, Jack command questions to me are gone. I was gone. watching this guy 
locate in all four quadrants with ease with all of his arsenal. Um, and the fastball has so much hop. I it's a it's a reach. It's it's ambitious, but I think after what he showed us last year, I think that is a a solid pick. And I and I'm 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 with you. I'm cool with that pick. So we go to pick number 11, which would have been Alec Manoa. He's the first guy that is now kind of like off the board before yeah. we pick. Uh, I'm going to go with a pitcher here, and it's Nick Lodolo. And this, uh, is, this is 10. This Sorry, is the 10th overall pick. Oh, 10. Yeah. My fault. My fault. So not Manoa. would have been Hunter Bishop, who I know you might be taking soon. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to take Bishop here. I'm going to take Nick Lodolo. So Bishop – of course, that was the Giants pick. It's been a struggle for him. Um, hasn't stayed healthy. He was a two-sport athlete, maybe three. He might have played basketball, too. He's such a good athlete. But he was a wide receiver with legitimate football interest from, from major D1 schools. He had an offer from Washington to be a, a Jake Browning wide receiver. Yes. Spectacular athlete. Um, big power potential. You could see why they were so mesmerized by him. But, Again, the object of the game is to hit, and that's something that just hasn't seemed to come together for him. And he's also, you know, a bit injury prone. So no brainer for me, I think, is is Lodolo here because this is the first guy. And I think the only reason why he slips a little bit to 10 is is the injuries that he's had in the past. Uh, but what we saw from Lodolo down the stretch, man, was was frontline stuff, honestly. And I, I'd be ecstatic to be able to get Lodolo at this pick here at 10. You look at the numbers overall last year, 103 and a third's innings. 366 ERA, but struck out more than 11 batters per nine, walked only about three and change per nine, gets a decent amount of ground balls. The sinker helps him keep the ball in the yard. But now starting to use that four seamer at the top of the zone, we know how nasty the slider is. We've seen what he can mix in with the change up. Uh, this guy's got frontline potential, man. And I think if he was healthy, you know, and didn't have some of the injury concern in the past, he probably would have been an earlier pick for us. Uh, but to get him at at 10 here, I'm ecstatic. And I can't believe that some in the industry didn't have this guy as a top 100 prospect over the last couple of years because he's showing us right now at the big league level why he has been a bona fide top 100 prospect and why he's been one of the best pitching prospects in the game for a minute. We had him ranked ahead of Hunter Green yeah, this whole time. And Hunter Green's special, but at Lodolo's floor and ceiling, I think just really solidifies him as one of the best prospects, pitching prospects in baseball. Now he's graduated, struck out 30% of batters last year. Like it's just that simple as a left. Yes. And said it before, I'll say it again. Nick Lodolo is the perfect pitcher for great American ballpark. Mm -hmm. He's the perfect pitcher because he misses bats. But when the ball is put in play, chances are it's on the ground because he lives belt and below. And I, I think that is the recipe for success, right? Hunter green, when the ball's put in play, it's in the air. And the home run numbers are high against him and they will always be high against him. I do think just because that's what his arsenal is conducive to Lodolo is the exact opposite. And I think that Nick Lodolo is going to put up some of the best numbers that we've seen from a pitcher in great American ballpark in quite some time. So I really like that pick. Um, I'll jump to 11. This was Manoa to Toronto. Um, I'm going to go with Andrew Vaughn finally. And, and I just think, like this foolproof of bat is impossible to let continue to drop. Yes, he's a 730 OPS guy across, you know, the bulk of two seasons so far. He's played right around 130 games in each of his first two major league seasons. But the, the thing about Andrew Vaughn is this guy hits the shit out of the ball. He's got a 91 mile an hour average exit velocity across his career. He's got a K rate under 20 percent. 
and he hits line drives all the time. He's like still 24, man. Yeah, I mean, he is he's such a high floor bat. And we were talking about Vaughn in the same way that we were talking about Spencer Torkelson, who went first overall in 2020. Vaughn went third overall. And, and you know, we called Vaughn, hey, he's the best college hitter that we've seen in decades, right? And then Torkelson, hey, he's the best college hitter we've seen in decades. Um, so if we're actually talking about that, like since 2000, you can make the argument in terms of college hitters. It might be Torque one, Vaughn two, and then maybe a Dustin Ackley three. Um, but yeah, great name, right? You remember that broken bat grand slam with the metal bat he hit at Carolina? Broken metal bat. You don't see Yeah, wild. Why just jam the shit out of him? The bat literally broke and he hit a grand slam to the pull side. But yeah, I, I just think Vaughn is such a talented hitter. Mm-hmm. And now that he can actually play first base, I think the offensive numbers jump. Two things missing for him, and they're very fixable. It's patience, right? What he walked six percent of the time last year. Seven percent walk rate for his career. Yeah, and last year was six percent. He's chase rate of about thirty-two percent, and hitting the ball in the air, which he, I think he's gotten slowly better at. Those two things are much easier to adjust than like hitting the ball hard and zone contact. Those are the, his, his 90th percentile exit velocity, Jack, 104.6 miles per hour is fantastic. Zone contact of 87.4%. If, if I could like query all of the hitters of 90th percentile exit velocity above 104 and a a zone contact above 87%, you're going to have all of the better hitters in baseball, right? Like you're going to have, I don't think any mediocre hitters slide through the cracks there. Honestly, with all due respect, Andrew Vaughn's probably one of the worst hitters in that group. And that's just yeah. a testament to him being young, needing to get his legs under him, which, I, again, I think just getting out of the outfield will help him stay in his legs and just be a, a healthier hitter. He was so banged up last year. He had hip issues. He had a little bit of everything playing out there. He's right. probably one of my favorite breakout candidates for next year, Jack. And this is another one where we look back at this by midseason and we're like, oof. Arum, you didn't take Vaughn with any of your first five picks there. Like I could easily see this being a uh, an excellent selection. And, and I think he could be one of the breakout guys that could be a difference maker for the White Sox next year. Yes, sir. So what, what are we at now? 12? 12. 12. So this is where it gets interesting, man, because there's there's a legitimate case. I stick with the guy who was selected at 12 and I wanted to talk myself out of it because, you know, he he isn't quite, quote unquote, proven yet. And we've got some other guys that are really exciting here. But it's it really boils down to this, Jack. And I, and I want to ask you this, because before I like make my pick and floor you, because I'm literally still in limbo right now. How concerned are you with Riley Green? Because this is a really this is one of the more interesting thought exercises about this whole thing. Yes, it's also an example of how concerned we are about certain players. I'm probably going to punt on Beatty, even though that's who the pick was at 12. And I love Beatty. I think he's going to be great. But I think I got to go Riley Green here and roll the dice. And this is probably the biggest risk pick that either of us have made this far. And it's crazy to say that because Green was kind of like that. After a year in the minor leagues, that can't miss guy. I really, really, really think that Detroit had a broken system from top to bottom in terms of, you know, their hitting development, their hitting coordination. Um, and, and I think it, it affected guys at the top from Javi Baez to, to Torkelson to Riley Green. And I've had the opportunity to talk to the guys at the bottom, some low A, high A guys who said 
and it's it's new. It's a new frontier here with the front office, right? Scott Harris, new guy there, and it's totally being overhauled. But previously, they wouldn't even have people checking in on them. Like a lot of very relevant prospects in this system were on their own, and that's how they felt. So you know, I, I think Riley Green's going to get some some new hands, you know, on deck, some new eyeballs on his swing. And guess what? He's still a young twenty two years old. He turned twenty two this off season. 107 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit below. He just needs to hit the ball in the air more. The 57% ground ball rate is disastrous. That's a swing adjustment. And I think with some new eyeballs there, some new coaching there, I think he can get there. This kid is way too talented for me to pass up on here. Think about the guys that stunk for the Detroit Tigers this year. It was everyone at the major league level, but I'm talking notable prospects, right? Um, obviously, the big signing was Javi Baez. Baez like, has had flaws his entire career. You can't blame the Tigers there. Um, But I will put some of the blame on the Tigers for the shortcomings of Riley Green at the major league level, Spencer Torkelson at the major league level. I'll put some on Ryan Kreidler, who was not very good. I'll put some of the blame on the Tigers on Dylan Dingler, who was just fine in double A. Gage Workman, again, another guy that was a top 10 prospect that I I think had the highest K rate in all of minor league baseball, if not highest than top five. Which is like what Uh, the opposite of what he was supposed to be. Exactly. The, The only guy that found the loophole of that was Kerry Carpenter and, and Carpenter what? was a 2019 draft pick. And Kerry Carpenter went outside for hitting help. Yes. Like, that's the craziest part. Like he went and did his own thing with somebody else in another state to, to, to kind of get his swing right. So there like that shows you too. Like he went outside of the org to get help. And that was the one guy that broke out. Like it just perfectly illustrates the whole picture of the Detroit Tigers previously. There we go. Um, if you didn't take Riley Green at 12, I was going to take him at 13. Like, oh, there we go. He's just he's such a good athlete. I think he can be a top flight center fielder defensively. And I think that there's some power there, man. Like that's stupid stadium, dude. I'm looking at a couple of his flyouts last year. He had a flyout off of Dylan Bundy in October that was 109 off the bat at a 39 degree launch angle, went 410 feet flyout. God. Then he had another one, 108 off the bat, 34 degree launch angle off Ryan Stanek, 424 feet out. Dude. <laughs> it's just BS. Like that stadium, if you look at like the charts, because you'll see the, the outline of each one, it looks like the freaking polo grounds. It's ridiculous. It's horrible. Like I, it's horrible. I thought Nick Castellanos was kind of a whiny, you know what, for that. But you know what? I can kind of stand with him now that I'm seeing some of these, like some of these spray charts. It's insane. But Again, he's just got to get the ball in the air more. He's 22. Another dude that if we left him in AAA last year as a 21-year-old and he mashed and made a mockery of everything and it was a top five prospect in baseball, could have been number one, uh, we'd we'd be taking him earlier. So, again, not going to pit it against him for not putting together a great year in the worst park ever. And it wasn't like it was a total disaster. Like it was a 690 OPS with a sub 30% K rate. Like, And he got a little bit better as the year went on. It wasn't like he was this – non-competitive guy here, you know, just getting blatantly overmatched. You go over the last 55 games, OPS over 700, and, and started to get better with the glove as well. He, he's he's a special talent. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right, 13, originally was Keone Cavaco to the Minnesota Twins. And Cavaco, it, I'm not taking Keone Cavaco. It's just kind of been a career from hell so far for Cavaco because, you know, he played 25 games in rookie ball in 2019 after he was drafted out of high school. And, and he hit a buck 72 with a 217 OBP. He had a 470 OPS. So, you know what? Chalk it up. High school guy got blown up at the complex, whatever. Same year you're drafted. Let's come back in 2020. Well, COVID in 2020. 
Then you come back in 2021, opens the year in low A, makes a lot of sense. He was so bad in low A in 2021, 597 OPS, that he repeated and spent the entire season in low A this year. And he only played 60 games in 21. He was dealing with some injury, but 99 games in low A Fort Myers this year as a 21-year-old, and he had a 670 OPS. 138 punch outs in just under 400 plate appearances. So the strikeouts are are surmounting like this guy is Cavaco even considered a top 30 prospect for Minnesota at this point. So it's funny. I, I was, I was curious what you were going to ask there. And I was going to say, don't call me crazy, but um, I, I still have like this, this pipe dream hope of him, right? I'm not the struggles and everything you just laid out is not lost on me. But if we're comparing a Cavaco to a Hunter Bishop, for example, I, I think Cavaco has shown a little bit more because I was I was seeing some of, of what he flashed last year. The swing is not as disastrous as I thought. It's a, it's a lot of approach issues. It seems like a guy that was tinkering all year long. He's still 21 years old, Jack. So I think after next year, if he struggles, then we're saying he's outside of the top 30. But for now, I would put him in the back end of the top 30. He still has he still has upside. He's still young. He could figure something out, but obviously he's a far cry. He wouldn't be in the top 50 picks as we redraft this, uh, this 2019 draft. Yeah. Um, my, my pick here at 13, I was torn between three shortstops. Well, I guess two and a half shortstops. Vaughn Grissom. I'm not going with Vaughn Grissom. Um, the runner up for this pick was Bryson Stott, but I'm going to go with CJ Abrams here. And the reason I go with Abrams, who was originally what the sixth overall pick um, in this draft, uh, Abrams, was, Abrams was yeah six, 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 six. Um, yeah. Green was five. Abrams was six. Um, the reason I go with Abrams here is because I'm holding out hope that he's a 300 hitter and, and he was so young getting 90 major league games under his belt this past year. Like we saw him crack the opening day roster with the Padres. And we were like, what the hell is AJ Preller doing here? Yeah. How many minor league games has CJ Abrams played in his life? Um, I, have it up it right his, now. I have it in his write-up just to like put it in perspective for people, but I'm pulling it up right now. If you are, I'll race. You I've right got it. Here. He's played 114 minor league games. So he's almost played as many big league games as minor league games. Correct. And in his in his minor league career, this is across two games in low A, 32 games in rookie ball, 42 games in double A and 38 games in triple A. The guy's slashing 331, 385, 511, 896 OPS, 42 bags in 114 games, 33 doubles, nine triples, 12 pumps, 75 driven in. 83 punch outs in 530 plate appearances. Another guy that if if we left him in double A, triple A, and he's lighting it up, we're talking he's about him in the same conversation as Gunnar Henderson, right? Yes. Like he and Gunnar are back to back here. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's why I go with Abrams. You know, where he is playing now is not lost on us. You know what? And I think it's the only reason why he hasn't been selected already. And, and you know, just a little bit of the struggles, of course, is going to make it a bit concerning. For me, it's, it's, it's almost all approach. 39% chase rate. Um, Really just fight or flight mode I saw from a kid that's talented enough to put the ball in play at the big league level, right? 302 plate appearances when he blatantly just wasn't ready to be up there. 16% K rate. He didn't walk at all. He walked 1.7% of the time. But this was a guy that I think was just trying to put bat on ball and just didn't really have too much of a plan there because he was young and barely had any experience in the upper levels, right? Like you just highlighted it. He played 72 total games above low A. 
never even sniffed Taye. So, you know, to expect this guy to just go up and succeed is, is crazy. I think he held his own to a degree and you, you got to give him credit on that, on that part of things. The glove continued to get better. He is as good of an athlete as you're going to find in professional baseball. And what I think, what I will continue to, you know, kind of pound on the table about with him is he has more power than people give him credit for. 103 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velo. We saw him hit some bombs last year. He hits the ball pretty hard. He's he's flashed some 110s, I think, um, through the minor leagues. He can hit the ball hard. He's only going to get stronger too. And this dude just turned 22. Um, so I yeah. think this is another excellent upside selection here with uh, CJ Abrams. What's your what's your expectation for him next year? Like, what do you think he puts it together, or is it going to be a slower burn? I think he gets closer to putting it together. So this past year for CJ Abrams, he was what at the major league level, a 247 hitter with a 604 OPS. Yeah. Um, I think the batting average jumps by about 30 points. I think he's a 270, 280 hitter. Uh, and I think the OPS jumps by about a hundred points. I think he's a 700 OPS guy. I like that. Yeah. And, and again, like that's one step closer. And then at 23, he could, you know, have that kind of full on, Put it all together. Well, 23, he's expired. He's damaged goods by 23. Yeah. That's he's senile. He, yeah. What's cool for him is, you know, he's going to hit free agency pretty young. That's the one silver lining of all of this. And if he can just even put together some pretty decent seasons over the next few years, he can get himself in a pretty nice spot there. But I, I think he's going to explode. I really do. And playing in a lower pressure environment should be nice for him. You know, instead of, hey, come up to the Padres and help us win now because we're so desperate. And, and AJ Prower will, will do whatever he can to mortgage the future for the present. Right. And, uh, you know, I think that was a really difficult spot for Abrams to be in with sporadic playing time, getting thrown to the Wolves. They did the same thing to Camposano, who's like pinch hitting in the ninth inning of a one run game uh, yeah. after you know barely even getting a taste of the big leagues. Like it, it, it's just a tough spot for a lot of youngsters to be in. And I think Abrams is going to thrive in a more calm setting, playing shortstop every day for the Washington Nationals. He's also closer to home. This is a Georgia boy that's no longer in San Diego. He's in D.C. It's a quick drive. Which is which is more important than than people think. Yeah, this is a tough juggle for me here, and, and I'll kind of just illustrate for you where I'm between um, two similar type guys. I'm gonna go, and this is pick number fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. So Scott so, was here. Fourteen was previously Bryson Stott, which again, good pick. You know, Philadelphia Phillies did well there. I again, I wouldn't even laugh at you if you if you were up and you took Stott again. I I. We'll side with a little bit more upside here uh, and a guy that I, I feel like I'm just a bit higher on than than most, I think, outside of Mets fans, Brett Beatty. I got to take yeah. Brett Beatty here. He went 12 and he falls here to 14. Um, Beatty's upside is ridiculous in terms of power. Uh, and Beatty answered every question I had for him last year, right, which was, can he hit the ball in the air, which seems to be a common trend with a lot of these young hitters, right? But Beatty is a guy that has hit the ball as hard as anybody over the last few years. But the problem for him was he was doing it on the ground. He cut his ground ball rate down by about 13 to 14% this past season. And as a result, all of his slugging numbers went way up, right? This guy had a career high for extra base hits. He hit 21 home runs and, and was just demolishing any pitching he saw got a quick bump up to double A, then got a bump up to triple A for a cameo, then gets a bump up to the big leagues. And I thought he held his own in those ABs before going down with that hand injury, which you know shouldn't affect him as he goes into next season. He makes good swing decisions. He's got a good approach. He's competent against lefties. 
He's come a long way defensively at third. He can also play first. I think he can get by in corner outfield. So you have some versatility here. And he just turned 23. I think he's got 30 plus home run upside. His 90th percentile exit velocity last year was 107.3 miles per hour. That's up there with the tops in the entire organization. Um, I don't think people realize how much power this guy has in the tank. Yeah, no, I I like that pick. And I, I think Beatty, how do you think he, he projects as a third baseman? Average, average defender, I think, which is, which is fine because it's all about the stick. You're getting a left-handed stick here. Um, I think people were wondering if he would be average. I think he's definitely average. Uh, the arm has come along. His footwork's gotten better. His actions have gotten better. Um, what I like about Beatty too, is I, I think his approach is further along than Josh Young, who I was also considering here. He His chase rates are lower. His swing decisions are better. Uh, his numbers against breaking balls are better. I, I, I really th- – Josh Young probably slightly better defender, but I'll take the left-handed stick with actually more power than Young and, and a little bit further along approach. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Beatty's, and he's the top 20 prospect for us for a reason. Cool. Um, all right. I, I'm going to jump here to 15 and we'll, we'll speed it up a little bit here on the back 15. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we've talked about a lot of the guys that are impact and, and top yeah, prospects. We're talking about the top guys in the front. Yeah. So it, it'll be quicker. Exactly. So 15th overall was Will Wilson at NC State. He went to the Angels. He is now in the Giants system. And Will Wilson is the number 25 prospect in the Giants system. He's already 24 years old. Wilson has actually been fine. High A and double A in 2021. He had a 712 OPS. He hit 220 and the K rate was high. So it was a really bad year. He comes back this year, 52 games in double, 10 games in triple, Injury shortened. He ended up on the 60-day, 13 bombs in 71 games. He hit 250 with an 800 OPS. So he's fine. Like, Will Wilson is obviously not the pick, and he's not a first-round pick in this redraft. Um, Here, I'm going with Bryson Stott. And Stott, I just think, makes a lot of sense because we've talked about how high the floor is, you know, the, the kind of defensive acumen you get from Stott. And now that he can move to second base with Trey Turner playing short, that middle infield tandem of Turner and Stott looks like one of the better middle infield tandems in the National League. Um, I, I think Stott can hit just enough to make this pick worth it. I, I agree. And and again, that's a guy that I've always thought doesn't get enough credit for the sneaky pop he has. I think it's a it's 50-55 raw power. You know, I think he can have league average power with all of the things that you mentioned. I, I really like that. And he does a little bit of everything. Nothing jumps off the page, but he does a little bit of everything. And that's that's a really solid player to get in this range for my pick which would would have been corbin carroll at 16 who is long gone what a pick there by the d-backs at 16 i'm going high floor a guy who has shown us a lot and it's Vinny pascantino um i don't know if people realize how damn good Vinny pascantino is and this is where i was asking you the question of like how early do you take a first base dh guy but Pascantino's glove at first is is actually solid. It's it's more than fine. And he was picked for reference 319th overall. That's the 11th round. Vinny last year. And again, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know how high we are on Vinny. Um, It was really, he was the guy that I was like, oh, this is Ty France all over again. And that's why I started talking about the Ty France effect of guys that just hit, don't have any other tools. So we, we, we don't give him enough credit, but Pascantino also hits the crap out of the ball. Um, what he did last year was remarkable, right? As a rookie for the Royals in 72 games, 137 WRC plus, and he walked more than he struck out as yeah. a rookie. 
That's absolutely absurd. Uh, 295, 383, 450 slash line. This guy is as guaranteed of an above average bat as you're going to find right in this draft. And um, I'm happy to get that guy at 16th overall here. Yeah, 100%, man. Um, no, I, I like the pick of Vinny, and Vinny is not far off of Andrew Vaughn at all. And I still think, you know, like I'll take Vaughn over Pasquantino just because Vaughn has been up for longer than Vinny. But I mean, dude. Well, Vinny's Don was, has been more impressive. I think he's been a dealt an easier hand. You can play the position you grew up playing and and not have to try to win now and, and play in the outfield and figure it out for your team. But, you know, those numbers last year were up there with any youngster, really is any first baseman for the most part in that 72 game stretch. Yeah. And if I'm that new Royals manager, Quattraro, like I think I'd rather have Vinny in the lineup than Nick Prado. I, I don't see, I don't think it's close anymore. I don't think it's close anymore either. And I don't think you have to choose right now. Like I guess you do if Melendez and Salvi need to be in the lineup at the same time, but um, yeah, he's been playing I'm, some outfield. I think, you know, Prado's an elite defender at first you put, Vinny at DH and that's a really fun young group of hitters. Here we go. It's a fun young lineup. And and I don't think you have to choose, but I think if you did have to choose one, Vinny or Prado, I, I think you go with Vinny now. Absolutely. Which is really cool. Um, all right. My pick here at 17. It was previously Jackson Rutledge. And I feel bad for Rutledge because this is a guy that I like a lot. Has been a guest on a previous pod, you know, saw him make his uh debut away from the complex uh, with the Nats in Auburn, New York. And I was calling games there and Rutledge was like such a nice guy and his work ethic is, is top flight. He's just struggled to stay healthy and he struggled to find the strike zone, but he's a massive kid that, that throws gas. He's lost some of that MPH. Hopefully he can get it back. Uh, but he seems like a bullpen guy. seems like a six, eight, two fifty bullpen guy, which stinks, but um, hey, I, I still get to the show, man. And yeah, and with, with some of the adversity he's faced, I, I think he's got the talent to do it. I agree. hundred percent. So Rutledge was the, it was the initial pick. I'm going to go with Spencer steer here and steer mm. went a little bit later. Steer went 90th overall um, steer had. Yeah, I know you're, you're looking at me crazy and, and it wasn't a really good stretch in Cincinnati to open his big league career. 28 games, he hit 211 with a 630 OPS, but 106 games between double and triple A, the majority in triple A uh, in this minor league season. He had an 880 OPS. He had 30 doubles, 23 uh, homers, 75 driven in, and he doesn't strike out much at all. I like what Steer's going to do at Great American Ballpark. Like he's going to slap it around. I think 25 balls are going to leave the yard, maybe 30, um, just depending on like, I mean, dude, it's Great American Ballpark. I know, like what? I know. Steers got more pop than India and India hit what 25 his rookie yeah, year. No, it's One true. If he hits enough, he can do it. <laughs> so I, you know, 30 is kind of crazy, but I, I do think Steer is a 25 homer guy at great American ballpark. And I mean, we we've talked about the the changes that he made pre swing and in swing mm -hmm. um, his ability to play third base, his ability to play second. I think, I think steer might be my guy here. I, I like it. I like it. Um, you know, it's, I, there's some higher upside guys I'd pick personally. Yeah. Um, but again, like when you can take a big league regular at this stage of the draft, like you can't fault, you can't fault somebody for doing that. So right. I don't fault you whatsoever. And I think steer in that ballpark again, like he's the perfect guy to see his, I think he's going to be Brandon Drury. Like I literally think he's going to be exactly what we saw from Drury. So if you get that, that's a great, you know, piece to be able to get here this late in the draft at what 17 there was 17. your selection. So 
at 18. It was previously Quinn Priester, who is right around this range still, I think. And I'm sure he'll get drafted in the next handful of picks. Pirates, I think, solid selection there. Priester is, is a little bit polarizing because I think he gets a little bit more hype for his ceiling. I think he's more of a high floor guy. Uh, but I, he's going to be a big league starter. And and another guy that gets really high high uh, reviews on his makeup and his work ethic and all of those things. And I thought he showed some really good things last year. But that's not who I'm taking here. Um, there's a few different, you know, again, it's kind of floor versus upside juggle at this pick. And ultimately, I'm going to go with the upside of Von Grissom. Um, yeah, Von Grissom was the 337th selection. So I've gone back to back 11th round picks here, which is pretty remarkable uh, to, to just see some of these guys, the way they've been able to, to come up and make an impact. Uh, Grissom is a, is a premium athlete. I do think that Ron Washington can, can help get him right to the point of you know being a, a, an average defender at shortstop. He has the athleticism to be an impact defender. I watched him make some of the most ridiculous throws and plays and show the range, but then also his footwork was so shaky on some like choppers and, you know, more routine plays. That is a good sign, though, because, again, I think Ron Washington can get him right there. The bat was great all year. I know he fell off a bit at the end of the year. But, again, another dude that had to come straight up from double A with, I think, less ABs at the double A level than uh, than a Michael Harris. He only had 22 games at the double A level where he was hitting 363, where then the Braves said, OK, come on up to the big leagues over the course of the 41 games he was up there. 121 WRC plus showed some power hit five home runs stole five bags. This guy could be a a stud. This guy could be an all star. He hasn't even had his 22nd birthday yet. Um, and even if he doesn't put it all together defensively at shortstop, he's athletic enough to play corner outfield, play a great second base, maybe even play third. And he's still going to be a very valuable piece. It's just really disappointing for Braves fans that they're running out Vaughn Grissom instead of Dansby Swanson. Yeah, because this shouldn't be on on Von Grissom's shoulders, you know, like this no, guy should it focus be. on getting acclimated to the big leagues after barely playing in the upper levels. He's had 22 games above high A before getting to the big leagues. Like they're asking a lot of him if they don't get somebody else to play short. Question. If the Braves and this is, you know, totally hypothetical. If the Braves did re-sign Dansby Swanson, do you think Ozzy Albies is on the opening day roster or do you think he gets traded? I think he I don't know what the Braves, you know, where the Braves stand there. I'll tell you what I would do. I would way rather have Von Grissom playing second base. I think Von Grissom is a better player. I really do. I'm not yeah. saying like tomorrow he's the better player, but I think over the course of the entire season, if you're patient on the front end, I think he'd end up being the better ball player. And if you look at a lot of uh, the metrics, like in terms of you know what Grissom gives you consistency wise and, and I'll be struggles switch hitting overall and inability to get on base. I yeah. absolutely think Grissom would be the better better option at second base, which is even the crazier part. They could have yeah. they could have paid Dansby, traded Albies, and got a king's ransom for Ozzy Albies. And and even though his contract is super affordable, that's thirty five million. You know, a thirty five million dollar deal you can put towards Dansby. But I can understand them not matching one hundred and seventy seven million for Dansby Swanson. But that said, yes. I, I would much rather have Grissom and Dansby than Grissom and Albies. I think that's a big difference. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, 19. The original pick was Zach Thompson to the Cardinals. Left-hander out of the University of Kentucky. Really struggled as a starter. Resurfaced as a bullpen piece and was touching 100 miles an hour. Yeah. I mean, I think the Cardinals just found, you know, another reliever uh, with gross stuff in Zach Thompson. And I think Zach Thompson can still be really good. But I can't take 
a possible good reliever here at 19 with some of the options that are left. And, and that's why I'm going with Josh Young here. Young was previously a top 10 pick. Young has juice. And Josh Young is going to get his opportunity to be up with Texas for a full season, be in the lineup every day. Yeah, And we're talking about one of the most impactful bats for the Texas Rangers this year, I do believe. Yeah, no, I I really do believe it too. We just talked about the Ranger system, kind of the things that he needs to do to get there. I think he gets there, and and he showed us a lot of great things. And the fact that he was able to able to bounce back last year off of that injury and reach the big leagues, testament to the work ethic, testament to how talented he is. And and I think he's going to be a big part of their future there too. I I agree. Get to twenty one or twenty. 20, pick 20. Who was previously picked 20? I, I started eliminating guys so that I would – oh, George Kirby. So Kirby. George Kirby was previously picked 20 by the Mariners, and obviously he is well off the board. So I'm going to pivot to one, and, and I'm curious if this is going to surprise you here, but I'm going to go with Kerry Carpenter. because Yeah, that does. <laughs> so I'm going to start – like this is the beginning of my Kerry Carpenter agenda, and – I think Kerry Carpenter is going to put up a big year this year. I'm I'm pretty much all the way in on on what we've seen from Kerry Carpenter. Um, he showed us at the big league level last year in that miserable ballpark just how good he can hit. Um, he he was arguably the best hitter in the minor leagues last year with 30 pumps between Double A and Triple A. Then added six more at the big league level. Uh, held his own at the big league level and. I'm just all the way in on that swing. I'm all the way in on everything I've seen from him, the way he commands his at-bats, the way his strikeout rate has continued to dwindle uh, as as the year went on. Um, that's my big reach of this draft, and I'll promise you that I'll circle back on this one a few months in, and I'm going to be like, Kerry Carpenter, like, you see it? I think he's going to have a monster year, relatively speaking. Yeah, so I, I'm going to stamp 21 in a very similar way. It was Braden Shoemake, who Shoemake is probably like the fourth string middle infielder for the Braves right now because you've got Arcia on the bench with Grissom and Albies, and then you've got Shoemake waiting in Gwinnett. Um, so Shoemake, fine, yeah, but similar way, I'm stamping it with Kyle Stowers, who was a competitive balance round B pick, 71st overall. Um, I'll take Stowers at 21. Stowers was flirting with a 900 OPS in Norfolk. He gets the bump up to Baltimore, and he did not look overmatched. Um, we, we've talked about Stowers possibly being on the move for starting pitching with Miami. I know you would love if Kyle Stowers was the opening day center fielder for the Miami Marlins. Uh, I, I think Stowers is an everyday major league outfielder. Absolutely. So Stowers to me, um, higher ceiling than Carpenter because Carpenter has more pressure on the bat. Um, yeah. But I, I just I feel really safe with what Carpenter showed us last year. That's a cool juggle though, back to back there because those are two guys that I think are kind of in the similar range of of what you know we're expecting next year. And if we did uh, a GM redraft across the game. I think those guys would be taken pretty much in a similar area there. Uh, and and I think the only issue with Sowers is, you know, can he continue to show that he cut down on the whiffs? I think, I think he was heading in the right direction of proving that last year for sure. Yeah. Next pick for me is going to be an absolute, just like roll of the dice, hope that it pans out. But worst case scenario, I got a pretty good reliever here. So it was previously Greg Jones of the Rays, Again, another guy that's one of the better athletes you're going to see in professional baseball. Didn't have the year that you, you you know we were hoping to see. He had some stretches though last year where I'm like, holy crap, 
here he is. And then it will just taper off. So switch hitter, incredible athlete, still believe on believing him with the Rays, but I'm pretty sure he was unprotected in the rule five. Um, and it is, is a little bit far off. Guests of the, the old podcast, hopefully I'll get him on again in this offseason. I'm a big Greg Jones fan, but too much talent on the board here. And at 22, I'm taking my guy, Matt Brash, because yeah. Matt Brash, I think, is going to put it all together this year. I don't know if the Mariners plan on using him as a starter. I know he's working on a cutter right now, which I think will really, really, really help him. Because I think the big issue for Matt Brash, when we talk about the command issues, um, was – that his breaking ball breaks too much. And when you have a a slider that moves three feet, basically, it's really hard to land that thing for a strike. And I think there was some inconsistency in that department. I always look at non-competitive percentage, which is the amount, the percentage of pitches you throw that are just, just not competitive, obviously. 10% on the, on, the, on the breaking ball and the slider there, like that's way too high. Uh, fastball was a little bit too high in that department too. But this guy was dynamite out of the bullpen, like one of the nastier bullpen arms. And we've seen him in stretches be really good as a starter. If he can find that cutter, which will allow him to, to get more lefties out, put less pressure on him figuring out the changeup. If you've got the slider, manipulate to a cutter, fastball and a curveball, he's in business. He could be a starter. But if, if I you know end up, quote unquote, losing out on this pick and he's a lights out back end reliever, fine by me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to go with Brash at the tail end of this pit, at the tail end of this draft. If you didn't go with Brash there, like I was thinking, thirteenth overall, fourth round out of Niagara. Niagara, he was a purple eagle. How about that? Um, so now we jump to what twenty three, yeah, and that was Michael Tolia to Colorado, and Tolia is a good pick, man. He's a major league first baseman. He's like mm-hmm. gonna get first base reps for them when Crone sits. Um, so. I'm not going with Tolia here. Instead, I'm going with another Michael, and I'm going with Michael Bush, who is 31st overall. Oh, yeah. Bush is Bush is Max Muncy, kind of, right? I mean, a little bit more swing and miss in his game than Muncy, but I mean, Bush had a 30 homer season this year in the minor leagues. He had an 100 yes. RBI season in, in the minor leagues this year. Um, he can play second base. He played some left this past year. I I'm not sure if he's a first baseman. If he's you know a, a pretty average defensive second baseman or probably below average defensive second baseman, or if he's an average corner outfielder, all I know is this guy can mash from the left side. So I'm going with Michael Bush. I like it. I mean, I'm wondering where he's going to fit in for them, but like if he's a trade chip, that's a guy that if he goes to a rebuilding team, you're plugging him in your lineup right away and you're immediately immediately. And you feel good about it. Um, Yeah. I I don't know what the glove is going to look like. Don't really care because at this point you're getting a, I think pretty close to a guaranteed above average bat with what he does in the power department and what he does in, in the on-base department as well. Um, yeah. If he can just be passable wherever they put him defensively, he will be a, a multi-win player a year, I think, which is pretty much all you can ask for. So yeah. for me at pick 24, I'm going to do something a little wild here. I'm going to stick with the pick. Yeah. Is Daniel Espino. Yeah. I'm taking Daniel Espino. So, you know, real quick, this is one of my favorite pitching prospects in baseball. And and if he was healthy last year, we're talking about a guy that, you know, probably would have been a top 10 prospect period. Um, Unfortunately, a knee issue turned into what we later found out is also a shoulder issue, which is why we didn't see him beyond the four starts we saw last year. But to put something in perspective here, Jack, Daniel Espino, he broke in in 2019. So far since then, he's pitched from rookie ball, short season, low A, high A, and then that brief 18 innings in double A. 
40 percent strikeout rate across all those levels as a high school guy uh triple digits fastball plus plus slider nasty curveball good change up this guy's potential for four impact pitches he's going to be 22 the only reason why he's on the board here is how cryptic they've been about his injuries how we found out later that it was a shoulder issue it doesn't sound like he had surgery so that's good but shoulder issues are scary especially for a guy that's a fastball slider dude that throws 100 miles an hour if the stuff's diminished there's definitely some concern there but i've been really impressed with where the command was trending from 2021 even into the early parts of 2022 and to be honest this could be the biggest steal of our draft yeah, I, I think so too. And and Espino, like, I just have no idea what to expect from Espino. You know what I mean? Tell us. We don't even know what his injury was. Just shoulder yeah. discomfort. Yeah. So like, I I just feel like we're flipping a coin when it comes to Espino's twenty twenty three. So that's the only reason why I'm I stayed to do it at twenty four. I'm willing to flip that coin. Um, yeah, I, I would put it personally at a fifty five percent chance. Um, you know, I like yeah. Carlos Correa, John Heyman. That he is right. fully, fully back to his form. So I'll take that. Right. Um, kind of shocked this guy slipped as much as he did. Before that, the original pick, 25 to the Dodgers, was Cody Hosey, who just <laughs> – he's been one of the the few Dodger whiffs over the last 10 years, you could say. Um, and, and Hosey, like he was a 600 OPS in Tulsa this year, dealing with some injury. Hosey's just not the guy anymore. And, you know, I he's not – Gonna so, be I got to watch him up close in the NECBL. Um, in the new yeah, NBA when he was at Tulane, right? Yeah, right before the breakout year, he was probably the best, one of the best hitters in that league. Um, yeah, consistently good. But when yeah. a guy has a one-year wonder in a mid-major like that at Tulane, I know that they're a good program, but it, it's a risk there. And I was surprised by the Dodgers to make that pick. They must have really liked the batted ball data there, and you know it was a risk. Injuries have, have hurt him, so you know I don't want to yeah. totally chalk it up to a bad pick as maybe a little yeah. bit of you know misfortune, but. He's got some some swing issues, and, and yeah, it's it's a shame to see because I, I did really enjoy watching Hosey play, and he was by all accounts a, a really good guy. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I, I'm shocked this guy slipped as much as he has, but I'm going with Shea Langoliers at 25. Oh shit, yeah, yeah, right. So Langoliers, he was originally the ninth overall pick. Um, he's good. Like he he's got a chance to be a, a top fifteen catcher in baseball this year, but the catching position 10. is. Just so thin. He's a really good defensive catcher. I'm curious how good the bat is going to be right away. It was really good in Vegas, but the environment helps a lot in Vegas. It, so got the power, it, it's funny. Everyone loves to comp like the big power catcher who strikes out a lot to Mike Zanino or whatever. Yeah, he's not. He's Zanino. probably the most accurate like Mike Zanino comp if he doesn't hit enough. But if he hits enough, he could be a top top 10 catcher in baseball. I just think he's better than Zanino when it comes to bat to ball. Like I, I honestly, I think Bart I is, is the best Zanino comp. I agree. I probably, I, I think we, I think I flubbed by not taking him earlier. This is a guy that could could make a big impact. I, there I, we go. The reason why the A's were okay with trading Sean Murphy for you know maybe not a full hundred cents on the dollar. Yeah. So I like it. I got a steal in Zanino. That that was that was a pretty solid steal there. I can't. Or lie. I got a steal in Langoliers, not Zanino. Shit, yeah, Zanino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say Zanino wouldn't be a steal there at this point. Um, no. At 26 now, it was Blake Walston, Arizona yeah. Diamondbacks. Not a bad pick. I think he's going to be a back end of the rotation lefty for them and you know, had a pretty nice year last year, but not who I'm looking for at this point. I want a guy that's proven a bit more at the big league level. And there's there's two arms that I was looking at here, uh, two guys that I thought showed some really good flashes in the big leagues and I think are, have some similarities. And it's Graham Ashcraft. And it's Hayden Wisniewski. Ultimately, 
I'm going to go with Ashcraft. Uh, I've always loved Ashcraft. He is a weird statistical anomaly. Doesn't strike guys out, but gets a bajillion ground balls. Perfect for where he pitches in Cincinnati. Um, the command is is really good. I think he's going to continue to get better. And I just think he's a guaranteed back into the rotation starter with a room for a little bit more with how hard he throws. Uh, the cutter that he throws, that like gyro cutter has a sim- almost identical shape to you know what we see from Emmanuel Class A. And I think as the rest of the arsenal continues to come along, this guy's going to be a really solid middle of the rotation starter, or at least a good four. Yeah, I, I'll leave you Wesneski for 28, um, 27. It was originally Ryan Jensen, right-hander out of Fresno State for the Cubs. And Jensen's just farther off than some of the other guys that you could pick here. So I'm not going to go with Jensen. Instead, uh, I'm going to go with – my last two picks are going to be two guys that I have a real soft spot for. Um, one of them is is Mike Massey, and I'm going to go with Massey mm-hmm. here. Fourth round, 109th overall. Massey was the guy that you know made his major league debut. Uh, will absolutely be on the opening day roster for the Kansas City Royals. Massey is a Gold Glove caliber second baseman. He is an elite defensive second baseman, and he's going to hit just enough. He's going to hit 260, 270 uh, in order to have a decade long major league career. I, I think Massey is a disciplined hitter. I think he's got a very simple approach, and I think the defensive floor that he possesses is next level. Yep. Yep. I, I like what we saw from him last year. Uh, another dude that just could tone down the approach a little bit uh, definitely is is very swing happy, but because he is so confident in his ability to put bat on ball, um, I like how he can lift and, and tap into a little bit more doubles power than, than I think people would have thought. And yeah, I mean, that's a can't miss big leaguer um, th- this late in the draft. Don't know what the ceiling is, but anytime you can get a big leaguer this late in the draft, I think that's always a, a pretty solid pick. Yeah. I'm I'm I got my arm though. So I'm I'm between taking another arm and surprising you, but I think I think if I wait on this guy, you're not gonna take him. So I'm gonna go with Wesneski. Uh, I yeah. think with what Hayden Wesneski showed us at the end of last year, um his slider alone is, is one of the best sliders, I think, in in the minor leagues now in the big leagues. It was a really good slider. Gives him the floor of a reliever, but I think he showed us command-wise, and the way his arsenal works off of itself is is so awesome that I think he's going to find a way to to just be a really solid big league starter because you get the sinker running arm side. You've got the slider running glove side. It's just a nightmare for hitters. Then he'll mix in a cutter, which is even a little bit harder. He's got the changeup and then the change of pace curve. And what's cool is he's also mixed in a four-seamer at the top of the zone. So there's really no way that you can eliminate any region with this guy. He can attack you so many different ways. And we saw how comfortable he was at the big league level doing that. Uh, Between every level last year, 139 Ks, 43 walks. I'm all in on this guy. And if, if the AAA numbers look a little iffy, it was the first two starts where after the trade, he was getting acclimated with his new catchers and, and get, you know, and again, this is a really unique arsenal for a catcher to call pitches for got blown up in the first two starts. If you take the subsequent triple A starts and the big league starts, he was dominant the rest of the way. Um, I think this guy is going to be a, a good big league starter. Just turned 25. Yeah, I, I like it. And oh, the previous I mean, pick, the previous pick was Ethan small. Yeah. Small. So not much. Ethan small. I'll do what you will be a big league arm for a while, but not right. Small. Um, all right, 29. Logan Davidson went to Oakland, and Davidson has just kind of been a dud, man. Like he strikes out all the time. Um, he was in double A this past year. K rate was, I think, right around 30% as a shortstop and like a fine one at best. He got some third base run and he stunk at third base, like fielding percentage under 90%. Jeez. Um, so I like Davidson's just kind of a dud. 
I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the guy that I've just latched onto. And I know that over the last couple of days, you've been latching onto him a little bit more. And that's Will Brennan who went in the eighth yeah. round. Brennan was a steal for Cleveland 250th overall. Out Will Brennan state, right? Out of Kansas state. And, and that's why I'm going with Will Brennan, man. I mean, he is just, he's so, so, so reliable with the stick. I'll save the whole spiel for next week when we do the Guardians top top prospects, which will be you know well inside that top ten, um, not well inside, but inside the top ten. Yeah, he's he's a he's just a guaranteed big league bat too, right? I mean, we're in guaranteed big league bat zone here, um, and and if you can get one of those guys, that's great. And I think there's a little bit more in the tank there, so I'm I'm a big fan of his, um, which takes us to pick number thirty, right? Is on a one, Mister Mister Irrelevant, quote unquote. This one might surprise you. Joey Ortiz, short. Okay. Baltimore Orioles was previously Anthony Volpe, who's already mine, already on my team. Yeah. Joey Ortiz. This was one of my favorite shortstop film I've watched in the minor leagues this year. Um, doesn't compare to quite to Ezekiel Tovar or some of the other guys. I wouldn't say it doesn't compare, just not not quite there. But some of my favorite glove work I've watched, and also something clicked for this kid offensively too. Uh, he was previously a fourth round pick, uh, 108th overall. But man, this guy can hit two. His last 70 games of the season, which combines both double A and triple A, he slashed 347, 413, 610, 10% walk rate, 13% K rate, 15 home runs. And I believe math really quick in my head, that is 50. Is that 50 extra base hits? 40 extra base hits. Okay, that would have been asinine. 40 yeah. extra base hits in his final 70 games. Okay. That's Damn. insane with a really good glove. The Orioles are really excited about this kid. And uh, this might be an absolute steal here at, at the last pick. I, I'm a big fan of what we saw down the stretch. 90% zone contact, Jack, with a great glove at shortstop. I'm I'm all the way in on Joey Ortiz. I think this guy's this guy might be a top 100 prospect in the early going next year, and um, is is definitely one of the top names to monitor. Love it, man. I'm going to go rapid fire through the names that we did not select uh, in their original draft position. Guys that just, you know, uh, should be considered a little bit more. Obviously, we've talked about Priester at 18, Tolia at 23. Uh, other guys that we didn't pick, Dre Jamison at 34, Matt Walner at 39, Ryan Nelson at 56, Brandon Williamson at 59, Josh H. Smith at 67. Uh, how about, you know, even a Peyton Burdick at 82, right? Ryan Pepio at 102. Uh, Andre Palante at 125, Ken Waldachuk at 165. That was I considered. I considered. Yep. Uh, Blake Sable at 214, Xavier Curry at 220, Caleb Killian at 236, Louis Varland at 449, Edward Julian at 539. Can't you didn't take your boy Edward. I was thinking about it, but I think I'd just rather have Massey and Will Brennan at this point. Yeah, I mean Edward hasn't played above double, so I get it. Yeah. Uh, so, let us know if you enjoyed this redraft. Um, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll start to be able to do it with like a little bit of like interactive graphics where I can show the pick and stuff like that too. But any feedback is welcome. Uh, we're going to continue to kind of workshop this idea as we do other drafts. It was a lot of fun. Um, if there's anybody that you would have picked, any crazy picks, let us know in the YouTube comments um, or tweet at us and let us know what you think. As always, thank you for listening. This was a lot of fun. We'll be doing more of these in the future. Keep an eye out for Guardians Top Prospects next week as well. Hope you have an awesome New Year's, and we'll talk to you in 2023.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.